Uh, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Hey, uh, you ready for some re review? Hey, it sounds like 12 hours of fun, but I'm not going to the Six Flags. I don't know, I couldn't take 12 hours of that kind of fun. I used to go like, uh, you know, 20 years ago, I used to go with the youth group. Has it been that long? Before some of you guys were even born. And they have the Superman ride. Let me tell you all about it. Superman, anybody been there? That was like insane. I think I'd have another heart attack, though, if I went on it now. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Anyways, let's have a little review here. Uh, Old Testament, right? This is our last, last week in the book of Haggai, so we're going to jump to different things. So this is like the test, right? So how many sections are in the Old Testament? There's only two numbers you need to know here, okay, people? There's only two numbers you need to know, right? Five sections in the Old Testament, right? Okay. So how do the sections work as far as numbers, the two numbers? What's the other number, by the way? Twelve. Okay, so how, do, how does the section go? Wow, like you're amazing. Like You learn two numbers in a certain sequence. That's like... That's like calculus or something you know so it's 512 5512 so this is you know you, you know why I'm doing this right to break it down so it's not like this thing like this the Old Testament is like this big huge thing that I can't even think about but to be able to get in and have some kind of a basic understanding of how it's broken down so you're you're not like uh, uh, biblically like totally illiterate right I think that's the problem that, that we've seen in the history of the church uh, over the last, say, uh, 40 years or so is where we're becoming more and more biblically illiterate, where we have no clue what the Bible's all about, no clue what it's trying to say. And that's dangerous for a lot of reasons. One, uh, you know, we can be misled if we don't really know what the Bible says and what it's all about. So uh, what's the first section? And how big is it? Okay. Yeah, you can just look up above. The numbers are there. Yeah, okay. Hello. I'm not that dumb. I was born, but not yesterday. Okay, what's the next one? History. History, okay. And then what? Poetry. I love that poetry is like in the center of the Bible. It's like so beautiful and full. What's next? Major prophets. And the minor prophets. See, it's not that difficult. It really isn't. Anybody remember what the, the message, the, the main message of the prophet was? Someone said it. No. To bring the people back to God, right? To bring us back. That's what the main message of the prophets. You read them, you'll see they're always saying that, to, that God is calling his people, calling people back to himself. Why? Because we wander. We go our own way. So the book of Haggai is a, is a wonderful little book, and, and it's only two chapters. I hope you can uh, you know, have a picture in your mind, this whole uh, concept of the book of Haggai, where you know, they, were, they were in captivity in Babylon, right? But they came back to the land of Israel to rebuild what? 
the temple, right? The, the house of God. Someone call it the church. You can call it the church. That's fine. It's where the people were gathered together around the presence of God. And they, so they came back, about 50,000 of them, to rebuild. And they got started. They built the foundation. And then what happened? They quit. They got discouraged. And then, and then after that, they got you know, some opposition. After that, they just kind of got off doing their own thing. They, they, they got, you know, they were all, all about building their own houses, you know, putting in new kitchens and their new house and their, you know, the new bathroom and, and making sure it was all great and everything. But the house of God was laying pretty much in ruins. The foundation was done, but that was it, right? So that's why, you know, the, the main message of the book of Haggai is what it's, what's on the screen there, to put God's first. And, 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 and he said, listen, you're taking care of all this stuff, but you're leaving the most important things out, which are having a relationship with God and doing what he, what he would have. And, and, and building the temple was what they came to do. And, and that was sort of a, a symbol of really of following after him. So... So they got going again, and, and they responded to the message, and they got going. They heard God speak, and they got a little discouraged, though, just, you know, not very long in there. God told them to be strong and work. He told them, I'm with you. He told them, my spirit is with you. He said, do not fear. And then, and then another message he says, there are basically different messages in the book of Haggai. Another message he said that his glory and his presence and his peace would be in that house, in the place. We talked about how he's been doing that here with us as well. And then last week we talked about, you know, from this day on, and, and he pointed out a few things. He pointed out this fact, you know, that, that they were to give careful thought and be thinking about, like, what is my life all about? You know, we need to do that from time to time. What is, what is my life, the focus of my life, really all about? And then the last thing he said there, if you want to look in verse 19, the last part of verse 19, chapter 2. Actually, I didn't tell you to turn there, did I? I forgot that. Can you turn to Haggai chapter 2 if you have your Bible with you? If you don't, uh, look it up on your phone, Blue Letter Bible. If you don't have one of those, we have stacks of Bibles in the back for you. I want you to get into the Word. I want you to get into the Bible. Open the book. So Haggai chapter 2, at the very <clears throat> excuse me, end of verse 19, says, From this day on, what? I will bless you. And God's saying that. He says, from this day on, I will bless you. And, and in other words, you know, don't worry about what's happened in the past, but let's go forward from here. And, and what does God want to do in your life from now, from, from going forward? And God says, I will bless you. I will take care of you. And so for, for you and I to know that, and for, for you and I to know this, that any fruit, that any blessing, that any life that, that, that we have, come, they all come from him says, from this day on, I will bless you. But, but the important thing to remember is this, is that to, to have God's blessing in our life, we need to do things His way, not our way. Does that make sense? We, you know, we can do that, and, and I talked about this last week. You know, we, can, we can do things our way or the way of the world and then ask God to bless us, and God says, I can't even bless you. I can't. I can't even hear you. Makes me think of, 
you know, uh, uh, Peter talking about marriage and, you know, Peter, uh, you know, God's word says in, in Peter, you know, for the husband to be paying attention to his wife, cherishing her, taking care of her. And, and he says at the end of that little section, he says, you know, doing these things so that your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, if you're not doing what I asked you to do, and then you come and pray, he says, I can't even hear you. So if, if we want God to hear us, we need to be doing what he asks us to do. If we, got, if we want God to bless us, we have to be doing it his way. So in the context of a marriage, if we want God's blessing on marriage, we have to do it his way, right? And he gives very specific things. You know, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands, and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and again, this whole context of marriage, the world has some very different views about marriage or lack of marriage, pretty much do anything you want to do. But God says to unite a, one man and one woman in holy matrimony and, and do it his way. If we want his blessing, we need to do it his way. I was thinking about this uh, this week because I was reading in Psalm 103, and, and Psalm 103 starts like this, and many of you will know this verse when I quote it. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, what? And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And, and I thought about that, and you know, I got my blue letter Bible, you know, fired up there, right? Like, you know, I do, and I hope you can find that and start to use it. And I found out this, though. The same word that we have in Haggai, where God says, from this day on, I will bless you, is found in Psalm 103, where the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul. So it goes both ways, you see. He blesses us and we bless him. Now, I, 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 I have trouble getting my my mind wrapped around the idea that I am going to bless God somehow? Do you see what the problem is here? you see the, the challenge? But, but this is found throughout Scripture that, that we bless Him. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's blessing God, and then he goes on to say, Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings? in heavenly places in Christ. He blesses us, and we bless Him? Of course, of course we understand, you know, part of that is, is, is adoration, part of that is praise. Some translations actually translate it as praise the Lord, so there's this idea of praise. But it's the same exact word. Bless the Lord. He's going to bless us. Now, the last section here that we're going to finish with today, and uh, I know you're all thinking about the potluck, so <clears throat> I'm going to take my time. I mean, I'm going to go fast. But it's the final message, and, and as I read this, I noticed that it was a personal message. It was a personal message to uh, the guy Zerubbabel, who was the governor and it's interesting things about Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel as well. You'll find him in the, the lineage of Jesus Christ in the two different uh, sections where it shows that in Matthew and in Luke. But he was just the governor at that time. He wasn't a king or anything, though he was in that line of succession. 
But God speaks directly to this guy, Haggai, excuse me, Zerubbabel, through Haggai. He speaks directly to Zerubbabel with a very personal message. Some of it, some of it was about what was going to, to take place, and some of it was directly about him, directly about Zerubbabel and his life. Now, I find that very interesting, but I, I, I had to, to think of this this idea, and it brought up this question that God spoke to Zerubbabel directly, right? And follow with me on this. God had a very personal message to give to this guy Zerubbabel, right? And so the question is this, does God, God spoke then, does God still speak today? That's an important question to answer, right? That we know the answer to that question. And, and, and even beyond that, does he speak to us personally like he did to this guy Zerubbabel? What do you think? Why don't you all preach at me? See what comes out here. This is a very, very important thing, you know, and I, I've been thinking about this. You know, it, it, it's radically important. And the reason I say that is this. If God does not still speak today then what we're talking about is a dead religion. We're talking about a dead religion. We're talking about the fact that God, God isn't alive. He isn't doing anything through, through the different means that, that he spoke then and that I believe that he still speaks today. The Bible itself, though, is full, it's full of God speaking from beginning to end. It's full of God speaking to the human race. Full from beginning to end. It's God, you know, giving us his revelation. It's, it's about 4,000 years, give or take, right, of history of God speaking. So God was speaking over this 4,000-year period of history, and then he gets to the end of that and he doesn't speak anymore. He's all done. I've said everything I'm going to say. That's it. I'm never going to speak again. That's not even consistent. Some of you are thinking, I wish you'd say everything you're going to say right now and be done, and then it'd be all over too. But it's not going to happen. You know better, right? Because we know better about God because he was speaking. And what does the Bible say about, about him is that he doesn't change. He's this, Jesus Christ the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. He speaks in heaven. You read in the book of Revelation about what's going on in heaven. God is still speaking in heaven. So, so for us to even think that God is all done, he's not going to speak anymore. Let's go ahead and read what he says to uh, Zerubbabel in these verses here, starting in verse 20. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. And on that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you declares the Lord Almighty. 
You see what I mean when I say it's a personal message? He's, he's speaking right him. He says, tell Zerubbabel these things. God, in verse 20, it says, the word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day. The last message was on the very same day. The second time in one day? God's, God can actually speak twice in the same day? Is that even possible? Can he speak to us twice in the same day? I don't know. What's the quota? Does he have a quota? You know that thing about, you know, the quota number of words for men versus the... No I'm not going to go there. Never mind. God can speak whenever he wants to, though, can't he? Interesting thing, though, when you read sometimes in certain times in history in the Old Testament, there were times when, when it was a long time in between when God spoke. And most of, the, most of those periods of times is when the people were just doing their own thing. When they did, you know, they did, each one did what was right in his own eyes kind of thing. So they didn't hear God speak. Why? Because they weren't even listening. They didn't want to hear what God had to say, right? There's something about that. I want you to think about that and keep that in mind. So verse 21a, he says there, he says, tell Zerubbabel, and, and then he lists, and then he gives them this message. And I wondered as I read this, did, did Zerubbabel need to hear what he had to say? What do you think? I think so. God, God doesn't waste words. He doesn't waste his time. He doesn't tell people, you know, just stuff what they want to hear. He tells people, he talks, he speaks things that are important, what, what he needed to hear, what you and I, I believe, need to hear. And it was kind of on... You know, in this passage, we already read it, we see it was kind of on a couple of different levels, right? It was kind of on the level of the fact that he was a leader, he was a governor, but also as an individual, he spoke to him. So it's interesting. God understands all these things, and God is speaking. He speaks to him. In verses 21 through 22, he, he talks about shaking the heavens and the earth. We talked about that already uh, earlier in this chapter that God has a plan, that God's going to do some pretty, let's, uh, if, if you excuse my pun, earth-shattering, earth-shaking events, right, that are yet to come in the future. He's going to do it. He's going to shake stuff up. But he also shakes stuff up in our own lives, too. He talks about, you know, heavens and the earth. Can God shake the heavens and the earth? I was reading this book recently, and, and they, they showed the, you know, the different scale of, of you know, comparing you know, how big Earth is compared to you know, the other planets, and, then, and ha then how big it was compared to the sun, and then, and then other you know, uh, planets and, and bodies that are outside of our solar system. And, and, and it, w w the way that they showed this was sh showing us how small we really are. But, but how big the universe is and how big God is, in my estimation, they weren't talking about that in this book. It's, it's not a Christian book. Uh, but I was, I was reading about uh, some different things there. But, but the idea that God has his hand upon this little planet. And it made me think about, this is a, a separate idea, it made me think about these other planets that they've never been able to find life on any other planets. You notice that? You know, they put their big ears to the sky, right, and, and try to listen to see if they're going to hear anybody call them back. And, you know, I used to think that was kind of ridiculous. 
But when I looked at this, I thought, yeah, you know, that makes sense to try to see if there's anything else. But the answer is that nothing is coming back. The fact of the matter is, is that God created life on this planet. And he has a plan for this planet. And so for him to shake it up, can he do that if he wants to? Absolutely. He talks here about shaking up on the national scale. So we said that we see the global scale. We see the national scale. He can shake up the thrones and the kingdoms. He, he, he has authority. He's sovereign over the armies. And I wonder, you know, for Zerubbabel being the governor and being, you know, worried about the nation of Israel and, and the people, you know, did he, hear, did, did he need to hear these things that, that God is sovereign, that he's in control? And I think he did. I think he did. David Guzik summed up this last message. He said this, the final word is this, God rules. God rules. I've been finding it in the book of Psalm where it says, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Now that in itself, we take that thought, we take that message, that scripture to heart, we understand that God is in control. That God is in control even in my life and even the, the circumstances around my life. So I believe Zerubbabel needed to hear that. But then in verse 23, it gets very personal. Let, let's read that verse again. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, I will make you like my signet ring. Why? For I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. He says, I'm going to... Now he's speaking directly to Zerubbabel. And he says, I'm going to take you, and I will make you like my signet ring. God was speaking directly to him. God had a message directly for him. Now, do, do we understand everything that was going through Zerubbabel's mind at this time? Obviously not. We can't possibly know it all. But for him to say, I'm going to make you like my signet ring, what does that mean? First of all, what is a signet ring? I, I put a picture of one up on the screen for you. It's a, it's a ring that it was like, it had like a stamp in it. So if you were going to stamp a document, let's say, with the authority of, of whoever, you know, owned the ring, or it might have their signature on there, like a signet, the signature on there, so they stamped it, and it, and it would have that there. And he's saying now to Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you like my signet ring. In other words, God was going to put his seal, and his name would be upon him, upon Zerubbabel. That's powerful. The New Testament says that you and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit that he puts his seal upon us. That's you and me. I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe Zerubbabel was discouraged. You know, he's, he's trying to do this job, and maybe it wasn't happening. He's trying to, to be the governor. He's trying to do the best he can, and he, he's not like seeing things come together or whatever. And, and God says, listen, I, I've got my hand upon you. I've got a purpose for you. He says, I have chosen you. I have a plan for you. I've chosen you. In other words, don't give up. I've got a purpose. How many times do you and I need to hear that in our lives? Don't give up. 
I think he needed to hear that. I think it was a very personal message to him. I want you to turn the page, a couple of pages ahead with me to Zechariah, chap, Zechariah chapter 4. And Zechariah was a prophet at this same time as well. Zechariah also had a very personal message in the middle of this prophecy. Zechariah chapter 4, a very personal message for who? For Zerubbabel. So God spoke to Zerubbabel directly through Haggai and also directly through Zechariah. I'm wondering if that was just something he needed. He, was, he needed to hear from God. He needed to, to hear what God would have to say. So let's look at these verses, verse 6 through 10. Zechariah chapter 4. He said, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to who? Zerubbabel. And then he's going to quote a verse. He's going, to, he's going to speak these words that you and I have heard before. But this was a very personal word to this guy, Zerubbabel. He says, not by might nor by power, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Not by might, not by your strength, Zerubbabel. Not by your power, Zerubbabel. But by my spirit, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do what needs to be done. Verse 7, what are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. You see what he's saying to him there? You know, there's big mountains in, in the way for Zerubbabel. But he says, but you know what? What are you? Before Zerubbabel, you will come level ground. He's going to bring out the capstone. It's going to get finished. This project this task that they came back to accomplish verse 8 then the word of the lord came to me the hands of zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple his hands what will also complete it then you will know that the lord almighty has sent me to you what is he saying there he's saying listen zerubbabel you're going to you're going to you're going to be to the end of this project you started you're going to be the one who finishes it. And then in verse 10, he says, and another verse that we have heard, we quote, but again, this was a very personal message given to Zerubbabel. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. I think these were all things that Zerubbabel needed to hear. Don't you? You think? Now, I, I also think that some of the things that we've just read in this chapter and also in the book of Haggai are some things that you and I need to hear. Is that true? Any of you see anything there that like, wow, that, that's something I need to hear right now, maybe. I'm not saying it is, I'm saying maybe. So let's get back to our, for the last few minutes we have here today, let's get back to our original question. Does God still speak today? He spoke directly. He spoke personally to this guy. Does he still speak like that today? I think we've already answered the question. I think it, it, it is true. But I want to make it personal. Does God speak to you? Can God speak to you personally? Can he speak to me? 
It's a big question. Some of you, you know, you may be thinking, well, you know what? I've never heard God speak to me. I've never heard God's, God speak to me. I've never heard his voice. And, and I think I have to be, be uh, you know, clear. You know, I'm not talking about just hearing an audible voice. Can God speak by an audible voice? Yeah, he can. But I think most often he does not. We're going to talk about how God does speak here in a second. But, but, but God speaks in many, many different ways. And God speaks in unique different ways. So that, and I believe this, he speaks in ways so that you personally can understand. I don't think he's going to speak to me the same way that he speaks to you. Why? Because you're not weird like me. You wouldn't understand. You wouldn't have a clue. But he speaks to you in a way that if I heard what he was saying to you, I'd go like, that's weird. That doesn't even make any sense. Why? Because you're you and I'm me, and God speaks to us in, in, in very unique ways that we can understand if we're listening, if we want to hear. So I do believe that God speaks. The question is, do we want to hear? I talked about those periods of time when it, when it seemed that God wasn't speaking. Well, they weren't even listening. The question is, will, will you and I listen? And, 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 and then not only that, but will we do what he, what he says? Right? Will we do what he says? I don't think, and just by personal experience, and I believe, I believe this from, from when I first became a believer, that there's nothing more exciting in life than knowing that God is speaking to you. You know what I mean by that? There's nothing more exciting. Oh, it's exciting when you get a raise. You know, it's exciting when you get a new car. It's exciting when you do different things in this life. But to have the creator of the universe speak to you personally about your life. And some of you are still going, Lamb, I've never heard that. I've never, it's never happened for me. Well, I want to encourage you today that it can. I want to, I, I can say unequivocally that God can and will speak to you if you will stop and listen. I really believe that. So, let's just talk about some different ways that God speaks, shall we? And uh, I think number one, how, how does God speak? Number one is through His Word. That's number one. Numero uno. Right? I was driving through Central Falls uh, yesterday, going to a junkyard with Patrick, and I saw all these Mexican restaurants. I said, i got to come back here. Numero uno. <laughs> Through his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed or inspired and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is like, this is like bedrock of how God speaks. What does it say about, about the Word of God in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4? The Word of God is what? Living, quick and powerful. The word quick means living. The Word of God is living and active. It's alive. 
This word that we have in front of us, it's not some dead book that, you know, is just on the shelf. It, this, is, this is a living book that God can speak to you and I today. He speaks through his word primarily, number one. Why? Because there's so much there that, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's a, it, this is such a huge subject to cover in a few minutes, I know it's big, but, but it's kind of like on a general level, there's so many things that God has already said, right? On a general level. But then he gets to the specific, and he gets to personal levels. Can God speak to you personally out of something that's written in this book, in these pages? He absolutely can. I know it personally. I know it by experience. God can use these words, and, 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 and if he can't, then why bother? If he can't, and if he won't, then why bother? But I believe that it's worth it because, because he, he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He's, he, he, it, it's what he does. It's what he's been doing from the beginning. It's what he's going to continue to do. Another important reason about this, and, and, this, and again, to, to, for God to speak through us through his word, we have to what? We have to open the book. This is like obvious, you know, common sense stuff. We've got to open the book or God's never going to be able to speak to us through it, Right? We have to be able to hear. We, we listen to teaching. We, we, we read devotions. We, we, we listen to you know, preachers and teachers on the radio, on the internet. Right? Yeah. So to hear God speak to us, we've got we to gotta open the book. But another, another thing to know about this is that, is that God will never contradict his word. This is important. God will never contradict his word. So if somebody says to you, you know, God spoke to me, and he said that, you know, I can live together with my girlfriend and it's okay. Or God said, God spoke to me and said, it's okay if I shoot that guy because I'm angry with him. Now, these are kind of, you know, big examples, you know, kind of extravagant examples. But do, do you get my point? God is not going to say something that contradicts his word. So for our own protection, we need to know what God's word says. And someone comes along and says, yeah, God spoke to me. And God told me this and this and this. And you go like, Wow. You know, that's not even in the Bible. That, that contradicts what the Bible says. And you can say, you know, I, I, you know, never mind. Especially bad when people come and say to you, God told me to tell you that you should do this and this and this. And you say, well, that's funny. That's, not, that's like contradicting what the Bible says. And not only that, but God hasn't told me any of that, so, you know, keep it to yourself. Right? If you, don't, if you don't know God's voice, you know, you're kind of in a, you're in a vulnerable place. You're in a vulnerable place that, that you can be misled. You can be led down a path. I spend a lot of time on this numero uno because it's numero uno. We need to know. God speaks to us primarily through his word. You know what? I don't know. You know what? I, I, was, think, I, I was thinking about this. You know what? I need, I need to hear from God. 
See? He agrees. He's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me translate for you. Yeah, preach it, brother. Okay. I can't compete with a baby that cute. I can't compete with any baby, even ugly babies I can't compete with. So there's no ugly babies. I'm sorry, I didn't. There's ugly adults. No, I didn't mean that either. So, so we, need to, we need to know God's word. We need to be into his word. It's, it's numero uno. It's important. God will speak to you. And what I was trying to say, and I just remembered what I was trying to say, is that I need God to speak to me. I need to God, for God to speak to me. I need to, Him to speak to me every day. I get up and I get, you know, how, how many of you get beat up by this world? Just by being in this world. Any of you ever get beat up by it? You need to hear, you need to hear from God. I need to, you know, I wake up and go, wow. I, need to, I just need a word of encouragement, something. And I can't tell you how many times, just in, in, in the scripture that is the next consecutive verses that I'm going to read because I, I have a you know, marker there or I have some kind of a, a system that I'm reading through. Those very next verses are like God's speaking to me personally. It's like, you know, you've heard people say this, jump off the page. Well, I've never seen any words jump off a page, but you know what I'm saying? They're kind of like highlighted. And it's like that little phrase or, the, or, or that verse or whatever God is speaking to them through what I've just read, speaks to my heart. Over and over and over again. Incredible. Incredible. I want to encourage you. you he, he will speak to you as well. He wants to. He will. How about number two? The Bible says that God has spoken to us in these last days by His Son. So we have the Word of God, and, and when you study this, you read it, you know, in John chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is called what? The Word, the, word, the Logos, the Word. And, and, and now, you know, in these last days, this is why it's so important to know the gospel about Jesus, that the, the way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way, right? In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, Hebrews chapter 1 says, At many times and in various ways, God spoke at many times, various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. By His Son. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10? He said, My sheep listen to my what? My voice. He's speaking. He says, I know them, and they follow me. He knows you. He knows He, he will speak to you, in a, and again, as I said earlier, in a way you will understand. He knows you. He knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know yourself. The third way, this is... You know, again, common sense. He speaks by his spirit, by the, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive and, and he is active as well in the world. He's active in our lives. He speaks to us. He spoke to the prophet Elijah in that still small voice. You know, you can read about that. First Kings 19, 18 and 19. Elijah was having a lot of hard times, a lot of troubles. He went and, you know, got off and by himself, but, but God spoke to him by his spirit in that still, small voice. He could have spoke by all these radical things, the fire, the earthquake, the, 
thunder, lightning, all these different kinds of things he could have spoken by, by, but he spoke by that still, small voice. So to hear the still, small voice means what to you and me? We need to be quiet. We need to be still to to hear that still, small voice. How about nature? Does God speak through nature? How do we know that? Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? Romans chapter 1 says, you know, that, that we see it. You can look around and see in creation that God is speaking. God is speaking to you and I. How about through other believers? Does God speak through other people? He does. But not just believers. I think God can speak even through unbelievers. You say, whoa, wait a minute. That's radical. But again, God can still use somebody to speak to you who's, who's, I mean, God spoke to Balaam through what? Through a donkey. If we're listening, if we're listening. And the last thing I want to add, you know, this is just a simple list, really, through circumstances. God can speak through trials, too, you know. God, God can speak to us through pain. C.S. Lewis said this, and you're familiar with this, I'm sure. He said, pain insists upon being attended to. He said, God whispers in our pleasures, whispers to us in our pleasures. God speaks to us in our, in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I think there's some truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. I think, I think the times that I've heard God speak the loudest are the times I've been in the most pain and the most trial and trouble. When everything's going fine, you know, I'm not, I don't even care, right? Everything's wonderful. Why, why bother? Why listen, right? But when things get difficult, what do you do? You get back, you get, you get before God, say, God, listen, it's, it's bad down here. I just want you to know about that. It's bad down here. But God will speak to you. God will speak to me. Even in the pain, in the trials, in the troubling circumstances. I think it's something that we learn in and then we can grow in. You know, you get to recognize the voice. You know, it's not overnight. But I like, I like what I read here about God's voice, A.W. Tozer said this, the voice of God is a friendly voice. No one need fear to listen to it unless he has already made up his mind to resist it. I want you to turn back with me. We're going to close with 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read these verses and close in prayer. 1 Samuel, that's in the section of history, right? So, 12, 12 books of history, so you got 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. By the way, any of you have heard of a guy named Gideon? Well, Gideon, 
you can read about Gideon in the book of Judges, again in the section of history, chapter 6, and in that section there. Gideon was, I find it, I, I relate to him, I understand, he was kind of like not sure about a lot of things. And Gideon, you know, God was speaking to him and telling him what he wanted him to do, but Gideon said, well, okay, but can you give me a sign so that I really know that it really is you? And he didn't do that once. He did it like four times. He did it, well, okay, well, I saw that sign. Well, can you do it like the opposite of that now? Do it again for me, but like the opposite, so I really know it's you? So even a guy like Gideon, you know, for us to, to not be sure to be, to be, again, asking, and God, I really, I need to hear from you. I really need to know if this is right, and can you, like, help me to see that? Again, with confirmation in the Word, with, with clarity in the Word, that it's not something that's, you know, against what God's Word says. So Gideon had to ask for signs of confirmation. Well, let's read 1 Samuel chapter 3, and, and Samuel was just a young boy, but he was doing like an internship, you might say, under the high priest Eli. And the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, like what I was saying earlier. There were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The Lamb of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Who called Samuel? And Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lay down. You're, you're disturbing my sleep. So he went and lay down again. Verse 6, again the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. I'm getting tired of this. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel, verse 7, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Samuel didn't really know the Lord yet. He didn't know the voice of the Lord because he didn't know the Lord yet. And, and for you and I, the first thing, if we want to hear God speak, we need to know him. We need to be true believers where we've asked him into our hearts and lives or don't expect to hear his voice. Verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized the light came on, that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told, told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say this. He said, say these words, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there calling, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. That's powerful. He didn't know. He had to learn. He had to grow. He was just a young boy. He's just young. But finally, Eli, who should have known better, who really, you know, you read about him, and it, there was a, that's a big mess. That's another story. 
But finally he said, listen, go and be there ready for God to speak. And when he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's a good attitude. That's a good heart to have, right? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Number one, that we're just servants. But knowing that God wants to speak and that we're willing to listen, are we willing to listen and do what he says? Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we come before you this morning. We humble ourselves before you. We're, we're all unique, different individuals, and yet you can speak to us. Jesus, you said you know your sheep. And your sheep listen to your voice. You know them, and they follow you. So you want to speak. You, you're able. You're willing. You're ready to speak to us if we're willing to listen. So we say today with, with Samuel, we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Lord, that that would be an attitude of my heart, our hearts before you, to, to listen to what you would have to say in all the different ways that you would speak. As you lead us in this life, as you direct us, as you encourage us, as you help us, as you just get us through one more day, we pray, we say, give us this day our daily bread, the, the bread that we need is to survive. God, we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. That our faith would be a living faith, a true faith. Father, I pray here this morning for any that were perhaps like Samuel. He was there. He was at the, the tabernacle, at the house there, but, but yet he didn't really know you yet. He didn't know your voice yet. Maybe some of us, that applies to us. We, we're here. But we haven't heard your voice. We haven't heard you speak, and we... We come, and so I pray for any of those that are here, and that's that's you. I, I, I just I ask you just open your heart to him and ask, ask him, and and like Sam, just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I need to hear. I want to hear. I want to know you. I want you in my life. Please come in. Please forgive me. Save me. by the power of the cross where you died for my sins. In the empty tomb where you rose from the dead, conquering death. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.